Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Before we begin, this episode contains some adult language. You know one when you hear one. Bazinga. I'm talking about a catchphrase. How you doing? A catchphrase is a phrase. Maybe it's just a few words. Eat my shorts. Ah, as if. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Maybe it's even a made-up word. It could be that made-up word twice. Nanu. Nanu. Or three times. Yada, yada, yada. I never heard from him again. It's often very closely associated with a performer or character. If you smell what the rock is cooking. And it catches on seemingly everywhere. Go ahead. Make my day. Not only do people recognize a phrase like this, they use it. And I have only one thing to say to the tax increasers. Go ahead. Make my day. That's President Ronald Reagan quoting the line made famous by Clint Eastwood. It was 1985, and the famed monoculture was reaching millions of people, delivering the same snappy sound bites to all of them, and doing it so effectively that decades later, we're still swimming in catchphrases from the past. Well, don't have a cow, man. It's time for a Muapalooza, the signature event at the Wisconsin State Fair. Oh, yeah, good day to get out and scream, yabba-dabba-doo, it's going to be nice. Uh, I want to thank everybody here and hasta la vista, baby. Thank you. That's from former British Prime Minister Boris Johnson's farewell speech last year. And yet he's quoting an Arnold Schwarzenegger line that's more than three decades old. Hasta la vista, baby. And it is difficult to find a recent catchphrase that's quite so recognizable. But that's not because the catchphrase is dead. It's just because it's changed. What the what? What the what? What the what? What the what? This is Decoder Ring. I'm Willa Paskin. Every catchphrase has a life cycle. It starts like any other line, but then audiences warm to it. They love it. They elevate it, and it starts to get repeated. And as it does, some of the people who loved it start to roll their eyes when they hear it, even as this phrase is burrowing deeper and deeper into our collective lexicon. And this isn't just what happens to any one catchphrase. It's what's happened to the catchphrase itself, a form some people love and others sneer at, even as it remains totally inescapable. So we're going to look at the catchphrase with clear eyes and full hearts. We're going to consider how they lived long and prospered until they did not. So come on down. Lend me your ears. Treat yourself. As today on Decodering, we ask, what happened to the catchphrase?
Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Once you start noticing catchphrases, it's hard to stop. That's what she said. (laughs) You've got Austin Powers catchphrases and Ace Ventura catchphrases that are still in 2023, year of our Lord, still being said by people, which is wild. Sean Green is a graphic designer and podcaster, and he has a nickname. I go by Bingo. I gave it to myself, which is tacky, but I do. I am Bingo. Bingo's also a listener, and he wrote to us because he was curious about the catchphrases whole deal. I love sitcoms more than any other art form. It's my favorite art form. And I know that it's hokey and saccharine and plastic and cheesy. I like when sitcoms jump the shark and get even worse. And one of the the things that are in sitcoms so, so much are catchphrases. Dino Mike! You got it, dude. What'd you tell my words? But it's not just sitcoms. There are also the big mainstream movie comedies Bingo mentioned earlier. One million dollars. Alrighty then. My wife. And there are other super well-known phrases that don't come from films or TV shows. Where I work, people, again, in this in this year are saying, who let the dogs out as a, as like a sort of a catchphrase? Like, it can get so much bigger, like political slogans. We will make America great again. Are they catchphrases? What about advertising slogans? Are they catchphrases? I don't think it counts. It's selling an idea, it's selling a brand, it's selling a a call to action to a certain degree. Um, whereas, did I do that? Did I do that? Is just being like, oh, Urkel said that thing, and everyone's like really happy about it. Bingo is referring to Steve Urkel, the nerdy catchphrase spouting star of the 1990s sitcom Family Matters. And Bingo actually has a theory about Urkel that we're going to get to later. But before that, we need to start with when the modern catchphrase caught on. People have been repeating pithy phrases to one another for a very long time. This is the basis of epic poetry and many religious rituals. Shakespeare was as quotable then as he is now, and vaudeville acts relied on catchphrases too. But we're going to begin when mass audiences could hear these phrases simultaneously for the first time. The Jell-O program starring Jack Benny with Mary Living. Were there catchphrases in radio shows, like in the olden radio days? Of course there were catchphrases uh, on radio in olden days. Susan Douglas is a professor of media and communication at the University of Michigan and the author of Listening In, Radio and the American Imagination. Remember, this is a medium that denies sight to its audience. So voice and language matters totally. And those voices were reaching people on an unprecedented scale. Radio was such a phenomenon by the late 1920s and early 30s. You have 40 million people sometimes listening to the same thing 
simultaneously. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Amos and Andy Show. Amos and Andy was a signature program from the early radio era. It featured the voices of two white actors playing black men who had migrated from the South to the North. It has not aged well. It was a combination sitcom and minstrel show. Not unproblematic, but also hugely popular. Susan says when Amos and Andy came on the radio, people stopped everything to listen. If you were in the movie theater, the movie theater had to shut the film down for 15 minutes Toilets remained unflushed. Taxis remained unhailed. And we still know some of its catchphrases. Everybody starts saying, holy mackerel. Holy mackerel, it's three o'clock now. And there are other phrases from early radio that are also still with us. Ah, uh, don't touch that dial, because there's nothing else on. The shadow knows. <laughs> now cut that out. Growing up, I knew all of these phrases, not because I was alive in the early days of radio, but because they'd survived into my own childhood. A version of Jack Benny's Now Cut That Out even made it onto my favorite sitcom in elementary school, the late 80s, early 90s, Full House. Cut it out. (laughs) But for all the catchphrases that have lingered, there are more that have not. A lesser-known comedian was a guy named Joe Penner, who was a huge hit on radio. And Joe Penner uh, knew how to use his voice really well. He would slide it up and down. You nasty man! You nasty man! Became a huge catchphrase. Here's, here's one that is completely inexplicable. You want to buy a duck? Why? Who knows? Another one was, don't ever do that. Those all became catchphrases in the early 1930s. Remember, there would have been something novel about just how many people knew these phrases. And that was something radio performers used to their advantage. There's a repetition, and then there becomes a knowingness to the repetition because the person uttering the catchphrase now knows it's become a catchphrase. And so they use it even more to emphasize Wink, wink to the audience that it is a catchphrase. And it pulls audiences in. It makes them feel like they're part of this imagined community. You know, that was a power that radio had that vaudeville or Broadway simply didn't. Television had that same power. And as commercial TV took off in the 1950s, radio shows and stars flocked to it. And the catchphrase came with them. Now you could see a catchphrase on a show like The Honeymooners. You want the world of tomorrow, Alice? You want the world of tomorrow? I'll give you the world of tomorrow. You're going to the moon! Or on the George Burns and Gracie Allen show. Say goodnight, Gracie. Good night. Good night. In the 1960s, Batman's sidekick, Robin, varied his catchphrase every time he said it. Holy magician! Holy alphabet! Holy ball and chain! Holy fruit salad. And the variety sketch show Rowan and Martin's Laughing varied who said it. It's suck it to me time. Suck it to me, suck it to me, suck it to me, suck it to me. Suck it to yourself. Suck it to me, honey. 
Laugh-In was the number one show in America from 1968 to 1970. Its title was a riff on be-ins and love-ins, and it was aimed at a young audience. It had political jokes and groovy psychedelic sets, and it popularized the phrase sock it to me, which was said by cast members and guest stars, including Sammy Davis Jr., Milton Berle, and in a particularly memorable cameo from 1968, then-presidential candidate Richard Nixon. Suck it to me? <laughs> On Laugh-In, the catchphrase was cool, and the Nixon campaign wanted some of that. And Laugh-In wasn't the only hit variety show in which the catchphrase abounded. Live from New York, it's Saturday night. Saturday Night Live debuted in 1975. Subversive, countercultural, and loaded with quotable sayings. Cheeseburger, 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 four Pepsi, two cheap. Cheeseburger, 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 two Pepsi, one cheap. In short order, SNL's live studio audience was waiting in anticipation for familiar characters to deliver their familiar lines. We are two wild and crazy guys! And this same frenzy also greeted the most popular character on TV. How come you don't get to pay anything? How come? Because I'm the Fonz, huh? The Fonz also known as Fonzie, also known as Arthur Fonzarelli, was the leather jacket-wearing star of the sitcom Happy Days, though that hadn't been the creator's intention. When we first started Happy Days, Fonzie was was not an important character. Bill Bickley has been a television producer and writer for 53 years, and he was a showrunner on the early seasons of Happy Days. He showed up very little in some of the early episodes because it wasn't really about Fonzie at all. Instead, the show, which premiered in 1974, though it was set in the 1950s, was supposed to be about a family. But audiences took a liking to Fonzie, who was played by Henry Winkler, and the writers noticed. By its second season, Happy Days had reoriented around the Fonz and become a huge hit. And in just about every episode, Fonzie would say, This wasn't the only thing the Fonz repeated. He would also flash a thumbs up, mesmerize women with a snap of his fingers, and he could start a jukebox just by banging it with his fist. (laughs) One time he even got all the animals in a suburban backyard to quiet down. Cool it! That was taken way too far. Hey, the thumbs up. Those things started to get repeated, and it really got boring. It seems worth mentioning here that the term jump the shark, which is now regularly used to describe when a show stops being good anymore, was coined in the mid-1980s in reference to a Happy Days episode in which the Fonz water skis over a shark while wearing a tiny bathing suit and his leather jacket. In the 1980s, the catchphrase itself was jumping the shark, shedding its cool while staying extremely popular. And no one captured these highs and lows quite like the decade's most catchphrase-laden breakout character. When we come back... Got me cheese! Thank you for listening to Decoder Ring, Slate's podcast about cracking cultural mysteries. You can hear new stories ad-free every week on Amazon Music, where you can find Decoder Ring and all your Slate favorites without the ads.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi. Just as you rely on us to get to the bottom of mysteries, you may never have noticed we're mysteries. We rely on you to power our investigations and keep the show going. And the best way to support us is by joining Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. When you sign up for Slate Plus, you'll never have to hear another ad on Decoder Ring or any other Slate podcast again. You'll get free and total access to Slate's website, and you'll get to hear bonus episodes of Decoder Ring, Slow Burn, and other Slate shows. So I hope you'll join if you can. It really makes a difference. To sign up now, please go to slate.com slash decoder plus. Again, that's slate.com slash decoder plus. Thank you. Now back to the show. So I have to confess that despite my brain being jammed with catchphrases, I'd never really thought about them until we got that email from the listener you heard from earlier. I go by bingo. Bingo wrote to us with an observation about one sitcom character in particular. I haven't done the full science on this, right, because I have a full-time job. But I do believe that Steve Q. Urkel from uh, the hit show Family Matters has the uh, most catchphrases of any fictional character ever created. Steve Urkel was a nerdy, sweet, black kid with glasses, suspenders, and his pants hiked up to his chest. And he was the star of the sitcom Family Matters. He was played by Jaleel White, and Bingo's right. Urkel does have a lot of catchphrases. Well, the classic is, of course, Did I do that? Did I do that? Did I do that? Did I do that? (laughs) Don't, don't, don't speak! Did I do that? That one is the most famous, but it's just the beginning. No sweat, my pet. You got any cheese? You love me, don't you? (laughs) Look what you did. All told, Bingo counted 16 Urkel catchphrases, and they are a great example of just how well these quips can work until they start to drive you up the wall. (laughs) (laughs) The story of Steve Urkel begins with a whole other series. The Cosby Show premiered in 1984 on NBC. It was about the Huxtables, an affluent black family, and it was not just a huge hit. It was a seismic cultural phenomenon. Soon, every TV network wanted a Cosby show of its own. The network actually came to us and said, could you do a black family? 
That's Bill Bickley, the writer-producer you heard from earlier, who worked on Happy Days. So my partner and I, who who was also white, um, we just dreamed up these characters. And um, so we went into the network, and they they uh, it was a very easy sale. It was easy because Bickley and his writing partner, Michael Warren, were already working for the network, ABC, on the hit sitcom Perfect Strangers. They took a minor character from that show, an elevator operator, gave her a police officer husband, added three kids, a grandmother, an aunt, and a house in Chicago, and the Winslows were born. When Family Matters premiered in 1989, it wasn't a flop, but it wasn't quite a hit either. The network wasn't happy with the ratings, and the writers were struggling to figure out the characters' dynamics and what the show was really about. Jaleel White, who wasn't a part of the cast yet, actually remembers watching the show at home, and he could see it wasn't quite working. Like there was this moment when the aunt plopped down into a chair. She's exhausted, and she's like, oi vey! This is White in a 2021 interview with the rapper Talib Kweli on his People's Party podcast. They let that black woman come through the door and just say, oi, vey. And so there was a lot of moments like that and why the show wasn't even so funny. Because you had a white room writing for black people in Chicago. Midway through the first season, Bill Bickley and the show's other co-creator, neither of whom were Jewish, by the way, they actually met at church, were desperate for ideas. So they borrowed from themselves, repurposing part of an unsuccessful pilot script they'd written about a white family. It was like, okay, what if your father, meaning well, got you the worst possible date for your first dance? That was the idea. And the name of the kid who was the worst possible date? Steve Urkel. It was supposed to be a one-episode part, but then Jaleel White came in for the audition. It's Jaleel White that actually invented the character of Steve Urkel. His uh, father was a dentist. He borrowed the glasses you wear to protect your eyes, and he hiked his pants up, and this kid blows us away. This kid is fantastic. So they signed a deal to make him a regular in a hurry. Urkel debuted in the 12th episode of Family Matters. Hi, Laura. (laughs) I hear you can't get a date for the dance. Urkel immediately reoriented the show. The largely white writing staff finally understood what the show should be about. It should be about Urkel. There was a kid who needed family and latched on to the Winslows on all levels. That was the, to me, that then gave us a key for the series. Now we had that thing that could really drive the show. Now, as far as my character is concerned, the thing that I always love is Steve loved cheese, polka, Mm -hmm. he played the accordion. Everything about him was white and weird. Jaleel White again. So it made him as a character easy to write for the writers. They were excited now. Like, they were hyped. Finally, we got something we can write for. Mm -hmm. And then just, you know, now this is where I will tip my hat a little bit. Just as a credit to myself, I would find a way to inject soul. Mm. And a a uniqueness. With Urkel in the cast, the ratings started to climb. Jaleel White single-handedly turned Family Matters into a top five hit as Urkelmania swept the country. Urkel was on talk shows and award shows. 
Ladies and gentlemen, here is the reason that ABC's stock soared 12 points in the last quarter. He inspired an episode of The Simpsons in which Bart rockets to fame on the back of an Urkel-esque catchphrase. I didn't do it. <laughs> and meanwhile, Urkel's own catchphrases kept coming. Wow, man. Steve, shh. I'm wearing you down, baby. I'm wearing you down. I don't have to take this. I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm going home. And a number of them even ended up being used for an Urkel doll. He's got my looks, my laugh, my voice, and all. Can I do that? So if you can't have me, get the next best thing. Talking Urkel. I just pulled my string. This was all familiar territory for Family Matters co-creator Bill Bickley. What had happened with Fonzie on Happy Days was happening all over again with Urkel. I've got a Steve Urkel doll over there. He keeps saying these things and haunts me. Bill would actually cut Urkel's catchphrases out of scripts or try to bargain and say, do them twice, not three times. It, it was a losing battle. The network latches on to shit like this. It wasn't just the network, though. I, I would laugh so hard. Like, the, you know, you know, like when the laughter is like you don't have any control over the laugh. It just comes out. Kenny Lucas is one half of the comedy duo, the Lucas Brothers. And he and his brother, Keith, were around six or seven when Urkel Mania hit its peak. It was perfect timing for us. Uh, oh, yeah. If we had been a little older, I don't think we would have appreciated the silliness of Urkel. Urkel did get very silly. Over its nine-season run, Family Matters had Urkel clone himself, get a suave doppelganger named Stefan Urkel, and go to space. It was weird. The Lucas Brothers' own comedy can also be surreal, and they count Urkel as an influence. They even did a sketch about him in 2014, spoofing the writers who fatefully retooled Family Matters. Okay, all right, fine. If they want to cancel our show after 11 episodes, then I say let's go down in flames. Yeah, 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 yeah. What y'all got in mind? Look, I was thinking, right? What about a black nerd? But there aren't black nerds. No, duh, that's the point, man. So when we add one to this TV show, it'll be so terrible, every executive will lose their jobs, too. What? Oh. <laughs> I'm curious what, both as viewers of Family Matters, but also as comedians, you make of, like, the catchphrase. Oh, did I do that? I mean, iconic. <laughs> and existential, you know? It's like, yeah, he, of course he did it. But it's like he still poses the question. And it, yeah. it, it, it hits every time. Right. <laughs> but, like, like, you think, like, you were watching, like, episode 163, and, like, the tail end of season eight. I, I, I'll be honest. I stopped watching after season seven. <laughs> Like, this is ridiculous. After a while, yeah, you're like, all right, the, the, the catchphrase isn't, isn't working anymore. For some, it had never worked. I just didn't like Urkel. William Evans is a writer and also the co-creator of the website and book Black Nerd Problems. When there are few at the time, when you, you see these images of yourself in media, uh, there kind of is this instant, you know, am I like this person? Do I know someone like this person kind of a thing? And I just remember watching that, like, don't nobody know who this month. Like, who, who, what? Why am I dealing with Urkel? Urkel's peak popularity came in the early 1990s when gangster rap was on the radio and the L.A. riots were in the news. And William thinks that has something to do with a character's appeal. I think Urkel in itself becoming so popular 
was really um, indicative of how thirsty folks were to see a black caricature that was not threatening, that was quote unquote cute and adorable. No sweat, my pet. Even with all his qualms, you should know, William sometimes watched Family Matters. It was inescapable, though less and less as it went on. Yeah, I got to a point where I was like, I, I, I'm good. I'm good. By the time Family Matters ended in 1998, after 215 episodes, Jaleel White was pretty sick of it, too. He is much more measured about it now. But he once said to a reporter, if you ever see me do that character again, take me out and put a bullet in my head. The catchphrase had helped make Urkel, but now everyone just wanted to get as far from the character and his quips as possible. When we come back, that feeling about catchphrases carries into the new millennium. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together and we were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. In 2011, Saturday Night Live aired a sketch called The Original Kings of Catchphrase Comedy. The four kings of catchphrase are back, and they're going absolutely crazy. The segment skewered stand-up comedians who rely on the catchphrase. There are other catchphrases, including Slappy Pappy Wang Wang and a comedian who uses someone else's catchphrase. Boston Powers! Do I make you horny, baby? This was not 2011's most successful SNL sketch, but it seems close to the heart of the comedians who made it, and it would get two follow-ups. Saturday Night Live, the show that had and continues to give the world a disproportionate number of catchphrases, was making fun of them as something hokey and hacky. Former SNL head writer Tina Fey teased them, too, on her show 30 Rock, when her character, Liz Lemon, greedily comes up with a catchphrase of her own. Long distance is the wrong distance, Sue. Deal breaker. Mickey Rourke wants to take me camping. Deal breaker, Jenna. God. And I haven't seen my fiancé in seven months. Sari, I have two words for you. Robot warning. Okay, that catchphrase needs a little work. Deal breaker. Sitcoms, especially the traditional multi-camera ones whose stock and trade was the catchphrase, were increasingly seen as old-fashioned, even as the form, along with the big studio comedy, was falling on hard times. The audiences for these tried-and-true catchphrase delivery systems were fragmenting, and they were reaching fewer people than before. 
Catchphrases do sometimes still come from scripted entertainment. This is the way. This is the way. May the odds be ever in your favor. Winter is coming. Cool, cool, cool. But comedies in particular supply them far less often than they used to. And if you think that means we've stopped saying the same things, that's not quite right either. A couple of years ago, some pictures of a whiteboard crammed with writing started making their way around the internet. The board is like a three by four whiteboard, just listing every line that you've heard repeated for the last 20 years. Anders Holm is an actor, writer, and co-creator of the comedy Workaholics, about a group of friends who work and live together. It ran for seven seasons on Comedy Central, and the whiteboard is a creation of its writer's room. I think we had planned to do a teaser that was going to be exclusively these jokes. And it was going to be like a two-minute machine gun of, nailed it, he's right behind me, isn't he? Um, I didn't not fart. Are you having a stroke? Why are you whispering? Random! Zero fucks given. I just peed a little. I think I just peed a little. I think I just peed a little. Like, all the ones that we know, and they're good, and when you hear them the first time, you go, whoa, she threw up in her mouth a little bit? Hilarious visual. But then when, like, it's been 10 years, and somebody at Target says that to you after they, like, hold up a bag of rotten apples or whatever. Then you go, do they know that's from Dodgeball? I said we should date sometime, you know, socially. Go out and kick it. Mm. Are you okay? Mm. I'm fine. I just uh, threw up in my mouth a little bit. The famous catchphrases of the past tended to be closely associated with the people flogging them. A comedian, a character, a comedy that repeated them over and over. But now they're often untethered which actually makes them easier for other professionals to use. The Workaholics team didn't end up making that teaser, but they kept compiling these kinds of jokes. Eventually, they had so many, they had to start a second whiteboard. Over a hundred. And to be clear, it's not exactly that Anders and the other writers dislike these phrases. They just have a sense of professional pride when it comes to using these jokes in their own show. They are funny but they're not surprising anymore, right? And surprise is part of comedy. When we meet somebody new, like a new actor, and we kind of never seen their sensibility before, it's like shocking how funny they are. And then after a while, you kind of aren't surprised anymore. And I'm realizing I'm like a personality type now, and maybe not a good one, but I'm like, yeah, I remember like going out of my way in college to not say, I know right. Dude, that was crazy. I know, right? And it's, I was like, why Why are we all saying this now? I have to stop saying this. As befits someone who pays this much attention to language, Anders and the other writers wanted to come up with catchphrases of their own. We were like, let's see what's like the craziest thing we could say and see if like people will start saying it on the street. That, my friend, is totally loose butthole. Excuse me? This entire outfit is completely tight butthole. We started saying tight butthole out of like an experiment. And tight butthole wasn't the only line that got picked up. Let's get weird! Let's get weird! Weird! That's uh, from when Adam and Blake went to go see Weird Al at the OC Fair and started a chant, let's get weird. 
the National Hockey League decided to use it for a promotional campaign one season. And we were like, huh? Oh, okay, great. This line had a very specific origin, but it could work in a much more general way for a major sports league. It had become the kind of punchline that could go on the whiteboard. In 2023, there are still catchphrases we all use to communicate, and some of them are even very closely associated with the people who originally said them. Good morning, world. Bless up. We did it. We did it, Joe. I hate to say it. I hope I don't sound ridiculous. I don't know who this man is. Sorry to this man. But there are even more that come from just somewhere. Maybe it's a TV comedy, a commercial, or some other legacy media but it's just as likely they're from a meme, a tweet, a TikTok, a YouTube video, an influencer, or some random viral moment. And often, it's hard to tell where they began at all. What you can tell is that all of a sudden, it feels like something lots of people are saying. Maybe too many. Your relatives are saying it, strangers too, people at work, and it's in your own mouth. Or maybe you've only ever written it in a group chat or shared it as a GIF on social media. And the reason for using these phrases, these modern cliches, is the same as it ever was. It brings people together. It is literally language that we share, however unoriginal it has become. And we found a way to keep sharing this kind of language, even as the way we receive it has changed. It's actually kind of resourceful of us. We may not know exactly where these lines come from, but we'll take our catchphrases and the sense of community they create anywhere we can get them. Come on, Lisa, say something funny. Like what? Oh, something stupid, like Bart would say. Bucka-bucka or wuzzle-wazzle, something like that. Forget it, Dad. If I ever become famous, I want it to be for something worthwhile, not because of some obnoxious fad. Obnoxious fad? Ah, don't worry, son. You know, they said the same thing about Urkel. This is Decoder Ring. I'm Willa Paskin. If you have any cultural mysteries you want us to decode, you can email us at decodering at slate.com. This episode was written by me, Willa Paskin. I produced Decoder Ring with Katie Shepard. This episode was edited by Joel Meyer. Derek John is Slate's executive producer of Narrative Podcasts, and Merritt Jacob is our senior technical director. Thank you to Stephen Langford, Doug Dietzolt, and The Good, The Bad, and The Sequel podcast, and to Sean Green for the suggestion and the Urkel clips. I'd also like to thank all the Slate staffers who helped us brainstorm catchphrases. I mentioned Slate Plus earlier in this episode. Please sign up. Members will get an upcoming bonus episode about how this season was made. We'll also talk about one more untethered catchphrase with Slate writer Luke Winkie. The ubiquitous, let's go. And you should go to slate.com slash decoder plus to sign up now. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and rate our feed in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And even better, tell your friends. That's it for this season. We'll be back in October. Until then, thanks for listening.